Hello and welcome back to The Gist. I'm your host, Chris Vetrano, here every week to break down all the things happening in pop culture and chat with the people that bring it to life. You know today's guest from her roles in The CW's The Flash and the hilarious short on HBO Max Coffee Shop Names. Plus, you'll get to see her this fall star opposite Schitt's Creek star Emily Hampshire in Hulu's horror comedy Appendage. Please welcome to The Gist writer and actress Kasar Muhammad. Hey, y'all. What's up? Happy to be here. Thank you so much for being here. You do so many things, and I want to try to cover as many of them today as possible. But um, I first wanted to start by just chatting about Appendage, because I know that it was just screened at South by Southwest. So tell us a little bit about the film and then what we can expect to see this fall on Hulu. Yeah, absolutely. So it was, um, it's a horror with elements of horror comedy. It's the idea Mm -hmm. of anxiety within a young up and coming fashion designer physically manifesting, um, which is super relatable because anxiety is something everybody deals with. So um, I play Esther, uh, um, Hannah's best friend. I'm a muscle fashion designer and our friendship is sort of what guides the film along the way in terms of, um, you know, pushing things through and uh, making things better. So um, it's really fun. I love the role. Uh, Esther's kind of uh, Hannah's foil in some ways, the more easygoing, but also has her own things happening. Um, but is it's ultimately their friendship that pulls things out and keeps things going. I love that. And I always love the genre of like horror comedy because I feel like sometimes like the horror movies, they just get, it's like the gorier, the better and the spookier, the better. But I love when there's like the comedy element of it because it just makes it like so much more enjoyable from, at least from my perspective. Me too. And I think also like for me, it's, I think Jordan Peele said this once or something along Mm -hmm. these lines of like they almost follow the same beats like it's either you're you know building up to a scare or building up to a laugh so that's why i love horror comedy so much in fact when i'm when it's writing the only thing i'm either writing is like comedy or horror so and they naturally kind of like sometimes you know blend into each other into the world so i love the genre and i think it's like a golden age for not only the horror genre but horror comedies right now we're seeing amazing hilarious ones in ways we haven't seen before from like the blackening to like bodies, bodies, bodies. So I'm here for it. Yeah. And I want more of it. And appendage too. Appendage coming out in the fall on Hulu. Yeah, no, we, I definitely uh, will be checking that out. I'm a big Shits Creek fan. So I, you know, I know Stevie uh, or Emily as Stevie. Um, and uh, did, were you a fan of that show before starting to work with her? And yeah. what was that kind of like? I mean, the show's iconic. It's so funny. Yeah. Ensemble cast and Emily is amazing as Stevie and also mm-hmm. um, as Claudia in this film and um, really brings a really dope, um, I'm not going to give away too much, but a really performance <laughs> that um, is brilliant. It's brilliant. And the whole cast is brilliant. Yeah. Hadley Robinson, who plays Anna, is, whoo, she puts it down. And um, if anything, just go, go see it to go see her amazing yeah. performance. She's brilliant. Yeah. Well, I love seeing like, you know, uh, Emily was kind of like the side character, didn't get as like much attention as the kind of a, the, the four. But um, so it's great to see like her doing this kind of like starring role um, at a post post shits uh, fame and, and all the popularity that it had. So that's awesome. Um, well, and I, I obviously also know that you're on the CW's The Flash. 
And the, so I'm going to admit it. I'm not a big superhero mm-hmm. comic book person because I feel like it's, you're, you're either one or you're the other. You're like, there's no in between for these fans. Yeah. And no, so, one or a hundred. I totally feel you, Chris. I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm dying to know kind of like what it's been like kind of being in that universe because, like I said, the, these diehard fans, they also are very opinionated. And so <laughs> what's that sort of been like to be part of that world and, and kind of interacting with that fan base. Yeah, definitely. So I played uh, Dr. Mina Dawan, essentially her character's fast track in the DC world. Um, what's awesome is that actually in the comic, she's a South Asian superhero, which is dope because we don't see that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like yeah. Miss Marvel on the Marvel side. And then I guess we have Mina Dawan on, on on this side, which is cool. And I'm, you know, maybe there's, there's others out there too, but I... I'm also learning into the superhero yeah. world. So it's great yeah. for me too. So any fans out there who know more than me about South Asian superheroes, let me know. Um, <laughs> but um, it's been fun. I was on season um, season eight and uh, and they just wrapped their series. So, but it was, I mean, I think it was like a, it was over 10 years of making the flash and it's such a beautiful team and cast and crew and such a well-oiled machine, but being a yeah. part of that little part of that legacy, I think is so special to me. And to play a superhero. I mean, to have a super suit and all that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, those, those fake powers, man, those <laughs> fake powers. <laughs> it, makes, it makes you wish that you had them. Right. I would love to be able to run around the world in like a millisecond. Yeah. If you had, if you could have any of the superpowers though, what would there be one that you would be like, I need it. Okay. Uh, My characters are just like in life. Just like in life. In life. Okay. I would definitely go for teleportation. Thought a lot about this. I just think it's great utility. You know, you could do a lot of things, um, go anywhere you want. So I'm going to say teleportation. It's also like kind of practical, you know, it's kind of nice to not have to drive places. So I don't know if I do like a lot of superhero stuff with them or I would just like do day-to-day stuff like here to Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's back home. But it's Yeah, avoid avoid the parking lot. Or like avoid any parking garage. Yeah, amazing. No, no one needs a parking garage. I mean, yeah. Then you would have like no excuse for being late anywhere, unfortunately, because people would know. (laughs) Well, you know how it is, right? It's like when you're like, oh, when I'm three minutes away from something, that's when I show up late versus like, oh, if I know I'm about to drive, I'll be there 15 minutes early. (laughs) That'll mess me up for life. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like people are always, um, you know, they always are like, oh, traffic is really bad. So I'm running a little bit late, but really they haven't left their house yet. (laughs) Um, And they just like use that excuse. You wouldn't have that with, if people knew you had that superpower. So So I would want teleportation, but I would want no one to know I have teleportation. (laughs) (laughs) To be there on the, (laughs) but hopefully I would, hopefully I I try to be on time as much as I can. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, speaking of kind of like things that you wish that you had, I would love to know, is there a role that either like you went for and didn't get, or is there a role that you've seen in a movie or, you know, a TV project that you're like, Oh, I would have nailed that. Oh, that's fun. Well, okay. I don't know about like, I don't know. Well, what I can say is when you first ask the question that like dream role wise, if there was one thing where I was like, I just cannot like, like, Putting it out. Um, so you know how you were like, you know, like you can either be in the world or you can't be in the world. That's that's yeah. Harry Potter. I'm 100 percent and 110 percent and 50 percent. And so my dream role would be <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter's Bellatrix 
that for me is like, I love her in general. I love her roles. I love her career. So I don't know. I want like a slight, I want like a slightly kooky villain with Slytherin tendencies character. Yeah. You know? No, that sounds that sounds perfect. I mean, I I whenever I've taken the the online quizzes, I always end up in Slytherin. You so do. I feel like I have okay. That. Yes. So we can yes, be I, we're family then. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I'm also a Scorpio, and I don't know if that's like Yo. sort of part of that. <laughs> a Scorpio Slytherin. Chris, I never thought about that, but a hundred percent, I bet you all Scorpios are Slytherin. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel like I'm that might be. A, I'm like might be the case. from Scorpio, but it's fine. I have like zero Scorpio in my chart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that. Um, no, that's a good one. I think you know it's it's those kind of epic roles, and I kind of love too. Like it's a it's one that has a lot of impact, but it wasn't like the star because I thought you were going to say Harry. I mean, you might as well oh, have just right. been like I mean, I wanna... that too. But I just want to be I just want to be like evil, you know? Maybe because yeah. I have zero Scorpio in my life in real life, I just want to slay that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, I need to, like, probably be the Harry or, like, yes. be, like, a little bit of the nicer one. Because then it's not acting, you know? <laughs> Exactly. Um, no, I love that. Is there other um, sort of pop culture influences that you fall on that sort of either made you fall in love with this as a profession or that you're always, like, that's my go-to as, like, my favorite movie or my favorite th- pop culture moment that just makes me... Makes me tick. I love this question. You know, it's funny. Like, I haven't actually thought about that. When I think about it, it's like so random and so small because growing up, like, you know, we didn't we didn't really have cable. Like, when in my like my youth youth years, it was right. like Rugrats in Spanish on TV, and then California <laughs> Music Channel, where I'd watch like Bootylicious music videos. You know, like. From <laughs> So that that is prime and very important to me. But yes. I think like random things that I picked up is like Mr. Bean. I love oh. Mr. Bean. I think it's so funny and just like the physical comedy to me is always just like still makes me die laughing all the time. Um, yeah. So I think that and I remember it's like I almost remember like pivotal sketches like Stewie from Mad TV too. Like, do you mm-hmm. remember that sketch? Yeah. She's, uh-huh. she's like, Stewie. Um, <laughs> that for me, I can watch it and still die laughing. Mad yeah. TV, I don't even know where I saw Mad TV or where I came across it. But there were, um, like, that and the Gilly were just so formative mm-hmm. to me. Um, and I think maybe looking back, I think that's why I, maybe I ended up doing so much sketch comedy in my life or I do sketch comedy in my life. Um, yeah. So I think those, and then also I think, you know, this for me and probably a lot of other people, The Office, I just love a show with an ensemble cast and even just the Mm -hmm. mockumentary fashion to me or that realistic grounded characters. I am always like, like I'm dead. I'm dead. It has me. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, I feel like coffee shop names has like a bit of that sort of feel um, where it's like this real, they take this like real you know, situation of the office, like some of those characters, yeah. you're like, oh, well, I've, I've like worked with those people or like known people <laughs> that have worked with those characters. And there's not a lot to them in terms of like, that makes them flashy for TV. Right. It's like, it's just, they're these normal people that are in an office, but they've done it in a way that makes it feel magic. 
Yeah. And just like the character quirks and um, just, I mean, I think it, it's an attribute of office being brilliantly written too, but um, yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. Well, and I know um, representation is a big thing for you and that you are a huge advocate uh, for diversity and inclusion. Um, so I imagine that like also there were things that you were drawn to because of that when you were young. I mean, you mentioned even just like the Bootylicious and I mean, the office being like this ensemble cast that did truly like have representation in a way that we don't always see. And especially like I look back at some of my influences growing up. It was like, you know, Clueless was my, you know, favorite movie. Um, and I loved that movie and I feel like it was formative in so many ways, but it was also this like LA and you had Stacey Dash and you, you had right. a little bit of a mix of things that made it feel like, you know, this is what, what people really look like and really are doing in the nineties, like how they dressed or maybe a little bit uh, amplified, but, um, and then, but then I look at things like, uh, you know, a 90210 or something where those were such big series saved by the bell and you didn't have as much of that. Yeah. And so I'm curious, kind of like, you know, is that something that you look back on from like the past that you're, you know, really trying to like help bring that to the forefront now? Yeah. I think for me, we've had strides in representation and we still have so much more to go. And I think, yeah a lot of the times it's like, okay, even if we're having diversity on screen, are we also having it behind screen? Are we having it from an exec level? Are we having it from a studio level? Is it all around? Because I think to me, right. that's when true brilliance and authenticity gets to shine. So for me, that's what I get excited about. And um, also just decentering the white straight male gaze, you know, how often and historically media, storytelling, everything, Hollywood has been based off of identifying and empathizing with stories around the straight white male, which is like, okay, cool, great. And also what are the implications of that when we cannot empathize with the the, the black trans Muslim person who also mm -hmm. exists? So it's like, it, there's, I think there's a real power and impact in putting our stories at the forefront and not only at the forefront of the camera, but full 360 support on all around. So that's what I'm excited about. Not only what I'm excited about, but it's also what I want to watch. And it's also, mm -hmm. to me, what is pushing the boundaries and is going to be the future of storytelling. Um, shouting out, uh, like, you know, films like Joyland right now. Um, I just went to South by and saw Mustache. Um, and I mean, so, so, and there's so many more stories out there who are not, you know, not just specifically South Asian representation, but anything that has been like historically and traditionally marginalized in our community. Like those are the stories I want to see because those are the stories I haven't seen. So right. I think from in a very, not only important to equity and inclusive way, there's also that aspect of it does save lives when we can empathize with main characters who don't look like ourselves. And I think there is market and money behind it. I mean, to be made behind it. Do you feel like, being in Hollywood, like there have been times where you feel like you've been passed up because of the color of your skin or your sexual pr preferences or any of that kind of thing? Or do you feel like we're starting to make strides in the right way? I mean, I know you said there's a long way to go, but. Yeah, I think a mix. Um, in this, also, I feel like it's this mix of, okay, I also want to shout out all the brilliant like elders and community leaders who came before me that really paved the ground 
to be for, for me to be able to say, Hey, we've made strides, you know, from Cal Penn, from Mindy Kaling was putting her work from one of my mentors who I love so much, Fazia Mirza, who's another queer Pakistani Muslim woman. It's the work they've made where I can step and be like, okay, I feel like I have more choice now, but I think it's also Mm -hmm. been a progress. So, you know, when I first started acting, it was my access to roles were what like co-stars. So one-liners and those would stereotypically be like Muslim woman in hijab. Those would stereotypically be um, Muslim woman in hijab. And oh my God, also Muslim woman in hijab. So those, those were the roles that I had access to. And um, I am Muslim, um, but I am not um, uh, specifically a Muslim woman who wears a hijab. And shout out to my Muslim sisters who do. Um, I want them to get that role. And I also want um, me to be able to get a role that, you know, that it's like that I, you know, to just open up our ideas in terms of what Muslim means, because it's those stereotypes that end up holding us down. And so I feel like we've made strides. Um, current and I think, but now that it's kind of gone past sort of like one liners and, you know, like, Oh, I'm grateful to have access to, uh, you know, larger roles. It think I do, it, it is off, like even Esther, like that wasn't written in appendage. That wasn't written South Asian specific or anything identity specific. Um, right. so I feel like there's access, but I feel like what I often feel now is either not looking, not looking queer enough or not looking Muslim enough. Um, yeah. I know times, uh, there's been auditions for Muslim roles, but it's like in the past, not, not recently, but in the past where it's like, um, a non-Muslim person will come and wear a hijab and book the role, um, versus oh. me. I'm like, I am not going to wear a hijab because I also want to open up the minds of these people who I'm auditioning for to know that, you know, Muslim doesn't look one way. Um, I'll intentionally not wear one, but it'll go to the person who does wear the hijab and isn't Muslim. So, you know, it's not an accessory. Um, It is Mm -hmm. a a sacred, beautiful thing. Um, But that's just one example of of many. And um, I want all cuts roles. I want the hijabi role. I want people, I want there to be hijabi roles on screen. I want there to be nuanced roles. And I want the roles to be like celebrate our identity, but also just not, not have us put us in boxes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, you know, the little mermaid has kind of been this sort of, Hopefully it will be a moment in time that we look back and say, like, finally, I mean, I know that it's getting a lot of a backlash um, for, no reason, because, right. for no reason, because they feel like Ariel was not supposed to have as dark skin as Haley does. She was supposed to be black. Yeah, they didn't want to black. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like we should be in a place where, especially for a film that went from animated to live action, that like, what does it matter? And why does that have to be even part of the story in any kind of way? And, you know, I find the same, um, you know, obviously uh, being a gay, gay white man, but I, you know, seeing like gay white men on movies and TV, there's so much where it's just so stereotypical and it's like disappointing when you see, like you want to, you know, celebrate these, these films and these projects that give gay actors an opportunity to be one in something mainstream and put their identity out there. But then it's almost like sort of disappointing when you see that it's like so far one way that it's like almost crafting a story that continues to drive some of this like commentary behind the scenes. And so I wish that we were in a place more where, and where this was just more normal. Like, you know, I look at shows like Will and Grace where Will Mm -hmm. is like the straight gay man, right? He's the guy that (laughs) just is your normal everyday, you know, lawyer 
And, you know, I feel like we, we have so far to go there. Um, and so I, I'm, that's why I'm so curious about what that kind of experience has been for you and being able to just show up at an audition or, you know, be landing a role that had no sort of identity uh, yeah. pre-selected before they cast it. Yeah, I, I hear you on that and the desire to, to see more and um, want more for our, our stories. So that that's super real. And I think... Um, you know, there, there has been more recent things where it's like, oh, it's, it's not identity related. And, and I'm excited about that. I just, and I, but I do feel like at the root of it is having diversity on all levels, like, you know, from, from even the casting level, everything it's like, so then at a certain point, it's like, it doesn't, um, we can lean into the identity if we want, or we don't have to. And that's what I look forward to. Just normalizing it. Just normalizing it. Absolutely. Um, well, you play, you wear hats on, on both sides of the, of the camera. Um, is there one that you prefer? Oh, that's fun. Um, I think I go in waves. I have, yeah, I think it's all, it's all also connected for me. I think when I'm acting or when I'm reading a script or analyzing a role, I'm thinking about the writing. When I'm writing, I'm also thinking about the character work behind it. So I feel like to me, it's almost it's a very similar muscle that I enjoy flexing and it's almost like, okay, I'm going to, am I working on my arms? Like, am I working on my arms today? Am I working on my legs today? But it's all still the butt. Yeah. So tell us kind of like what is next for you then? Yeah. So appendage is coming out um, on the fall on Hulu in the fall. Um, Also working on, on some projects that I'm really excited about that are currently in development. Um, um, that are in the works. So excited yeah. to be able to share those soon, um, both yeah. from the writing angle and from the acting angle. And um, also just excited to just continue to be diving into the parts of the craft that I haven't. Like I've been getting really into fit more physical roles and um, like with that involved body and like, like, different types of training. So I'm excited for all those to be shared with the world soon and more of that to come. Absolutely. And, you know, how can people out there advocate for this representation? I mean, people not even in the kind of Hollywood entertainment space, like what can people be doing to either learn more or educate themselves? Because I think, as you said, it's so important that we start normalizing that. And so I'd love for your thoughts on that. Yeah. In terms of stories for Hollywood, I would say watch and support and pay for diverse stories. So for example, Mm -hmm. one thought that comes to mind is Joyride is going to be an Mm -hmm. an Asian American, uh, fully cast of females. It looks hilarious. If you haven't seen a trailer, have you seen the trailer, Chris? I have. It looks, I mean, it looks incredible. Oh, it looks so good. Yeah. And, you know, it's like showing up on uh, the opening weekend, opening night uh, in full numbers makes a difference. Mm-hmm. When you know something is releasing, like actually like watching it that night, um, whether it is, you know, other shows that are coming out and that sort of thing, when streaming at the night of the numbers show everything. Mm-hmm. Numbers tell people the higher ups that, hey, you know, this is in demand. We want to watch it. And unfortunately, so much amazing, brilliant 
uh, well done content gets lost because you know the numbers aren't there. Right. So I think one thing is if you want to see more diverse stories, support those stories. Like tweet about those stories. Tell a friend to watch those stories. If you see an indie you love um, on uh, on one of your streaming sites, tell someone to watch those. For example, like India Sweets and Spices, um, uh, Turb Turb Turban Donkey Head. Donkey Head, those are two mm -hmm. really indie films by South Asian female writers. Just like watch and spread and tell people to write it. And then in terms of education, um, I would say there's so much education mm -hmm. uh, on the internet, so many books available. Um, I also have a racial equity and gender equity consulting group uh, that I co-founded back in 2017 called Shift Consulting, um, where um, at Shift Consulting Co., on Instagram, check it out if you want more resources. Perfect. Yeah, I think, you know, it is really important. And the numbers is such an, you know, interesting thing that I personally don't think of as much. I mean, obviously you hear box office, box office, and you like see when someone yeah. didn't make their, you know, budgets in the opening weekend and every everybody considers it a flop. And then it sort of ends in this yeah. spiral where when it hits streaming, then people are talking about it flopping. And then it's like, do I even really want to watch that? And it has such a, right. has such a downward spiral. And it's so interesting because I've, I've been having a lot of uh, musical uh, folks on the podcast and they've been talking a lot about TikTok and it's the same thing of like, there's these great artists that are making um, incredible music, but the la the mm -hmm. labels right now are like, if you can show us the numbers on your socials, then we'll continue to promote it. But yeah. it's like, but if you're not paying to help me promote it, then how am I going to get those numbers? And it's this like crazy cycle right. that we're in and, and I didn't really tie it back to uh kind of the film and television space the way that you did and so yeah it's important to watch those things not just you know tune in when it feels convenient but like really start making a yeah. date to like support these projects and tune in uh when they first come out yeah and showing up for um um and i think you know when you're also like within group, you know, if like I think representation anxiety is a thing, you know, Chris, like you were saying, you want to see more queer roles, but often when you see them, they're not, they're not what you want to see. Yeah. And I think we, we, we feel that way often when it's like, we only get one shot. We only have this shot. So the shot has to be right. And I feel like that's such a real thing. And also how can we put that aside in terms of like, you know, still showing up for the movie and still, you know, giving, giving it its upliftment um, so that we get to see more of it. Yeah. We just need more. We just need more. And then we need to, we need to, I want to be in a place where it's like, I don't like where someone in the community could make a shitty movie and it wouldn't be the death of our community. Totally. You know, it's like, it always feels like we have one shot and that's so, um, unfair yeah. that is um not only not only that but it's just a testament to who is allowed to fail and who's not allowed to fail yeah. um so um i look forward to the day that we have a shitty movie you know <laughs> we can't have a shitty movie and it's okay yeah. yeah yeah no it's it's very it's very true and i think you know unfortunately i feel like bros was kind of that in this last year where there was right. so much about how it was the first mainstream you know gay romantic comedy and then when it wasn't like showing up it was like even the actors and stuff were getting 
getting panned for some of their reactions to the way that they were reacting to how the public was reacting. And it ended up feeding like a really negative sort of stereotype within our community that really at the end of the day, whether we loved the movie or didn't, like we should have shown up to at least support it, to sh- to send that message that we want more of that. Right. And I, I know that, I know I feel that way about like South Asian content and Muslim content. So I feel like it's just like, you know, one of those, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, Slow steps, but mm-hmm. believing that, you know, when a community is in solidarity around something, that's when movement is made. So, yeah. but I'm excited and I feel like we are moving towards that. We're moving towards that and um, baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> I'm optimistic. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love that. And, you know, I love the conversation about representation. And so I appreciate you sharing that with me today because, you know, as I said, I'm not always the right person to have those kind of conversations, but I love to hear from folks that are what their experiences are and then also how to kind of get involved and, and support it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not the right person. We're, we're all learning, <laughs> you know, we are all learning yeah yeah as long as we always like know that it's a safe space to learn together and and make mistakes when we when we do but um but yeah Yeah, well i am so excited to see appendage because like i said it's like right up my alley and um I, i can't wait to check it out on hulu this fall but in the meantime i know you mentioned shift but where can people find you to find out more about these upcoming projects and just connect with you yeah, absolutely. So I'm at Kasser the Person on Instagram and Twitter. Um, so that's K-A-U-S-A-R, the person. I love that. Um, well, awesome. We'll do that. And thank you so much for coming by today and, and sharing yeah. your story yeah. and, and sharing about some of the projects that you've been on. Um, it was wonderful to meet you. And, and I look forward to continuing to follow all the things that you're doing. Yeah. Thanks so much, Chris, for having me on. It was so lovely talking to you. And yeah, just just glad to be able to be chatting. And yeah, appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Well, um, thanks to all of you for listening. Um, Don't forget to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode of The Gist. You can follow me at CM Vitrano on Twitter and Instagram. And as always, tune in next week for more amazing content on pop culture. Um, Or you can go to listenisvitrano.com. And uh, yeah, until uh, next week, have a great weekend. And thanks so much for tuning in. Bye.